Hello, I'm Emma Wrights from the Emma Press. And I'm Jamie McGarry from Valley Press. And this is Friday Morning Meeting, where we talk about publishing and being young entrepreneurs. Cue music. <laughs> so, Jamie, how has your week been? Uh, well, it's been, it's been very interesting, I would say. There's been a few alarming moments where I've had... There was one morning where I had 100 emails... I think I've uh, I think I met you afterwards and um, yeah and I was they were all hundred yeah, emails yeah I mean, yeah they kept coming every time I looked at my phone there was ten new ones um, this was all on the way to work the people on the other end of the emails were either a I'd say a alarmed um, b just sort of grumpy or or sort of entitled in some way like Jamie why haven't you sent me this I I need this and so on or or c um, what was the c the c one just sort of daft wallies that sort of thing. <laughs> Well, uh, but but I guess that's what we signed up for, isn't it? Um, yeah, I guess <laughs> email manner is a weird thing because, like, I, I notice this sometimes just even with kind of friends or family, people who are really, really warm and kind and generous, their email manner will be kind of quite abrupt. And I guess that's because they, they don't have time or they don't really spend a lot of time thinking about how you can kind of soften communications with like, punctuation and emoticons. But the accumulative effect of this is that you can receive kind of 100 emails in a day or 10 emails in a half hour. And if you have a lot of quite terse communications, it can be quite overwhelming or you can just kind of feel under attack, even if none of the individual people meant that to happen. First of all, people don't really know what else you're dealing with. And that yeah, none of, the people get, none of the people get excommunicated from my communications for their individual crimes. They're all, yes. they're all fairly minor. It was, yeah, it was the cumulative effect, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's just something, I don't know, it's part of what we, what we deal with with being business owners, is that we are the face, faces of our business and people do want to ask questions and that's, that's a really nice thing. And it's just sometimes, I guess if someone has a criticism or a, a complaint, that's, and that's really good that they can kind of send it our way. But when it, when it comes in at the same time as dozens of other other ones or just kind of strange meandering of emails, then yes, if, if you're not in a good place already or if you're feeling a bit under the, under the weather or just, I don't know, a bit, a bit tired or stressed, I think it can feel a little bit too much. And that's when I've felt most on the edge or yeah. one of the things that, that kind of pushes me very close to the edge is just, just kind of... You know, the day bringing me a bunch of emails, all of which are, are slightly stressful to deal with. And and when I'm feeling good, then I can open them and think, oh, OK, this is a fair point. So I slipped up here or this person's being a bit unreasonable. But when I'm, when I'm having a bad day or a bad week or bad month, then I'll open them and kind of go, why? <laughs> that old noise, yeah. The phone noise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess it's you know, the only thing to do is kind of recognise that and to know that you you won't always feel like that or hopefully you won't always feel, well, feel it like just, that. Well, it doesn't always happen. This is it. You see, what made it worse was I've kind of become a bit complacent because my, uh, my current mission, my current sort of what I'm thinking about, like in the shower or whilst driving and sort of, is, the, is trying to fill all the roles in the business so yeah. I don't technically have to do anything. It's, it's not actually going to work out like that, but... Um, I've been trying to build a team that 
if I got like, run over by a bus, they could carry on the next day and there wouldn't be any skills gaps. That's the mission I'm currently working on. Yes. Um, so I've been sort of managing all week. But having, so there have been sort of some days where I don't have any emails. I've only had about five so far today and it's, um, it's you know, it's late morning now, um, of course. Well, I forgot what I was saying now. But oh, yeah, I've only had five emails. I've only had five emails today so far and uh, they've all been very friendly. So today's a very different day. Um, yeah. This is what I was expecting when, I, when, I, when I've done all this delegation. I was expecting all to be sort of more harmonious. Um, yeah, and I guess mostly that does happen. I've, I haven't delegated to the extent that you have so far, but still I'm definitely having way fewer emails every day, and, and that is a relief. But I guess that means that the emails that you do get really are directed at you and they are things you have to deal with because I guess before they were kind of general things like, you know, responses to press releases or queries about the shop. Um, Whereas I guess now most of that has been delegated. So the things that are coming to you are for you, Jamie McGarry. Is that right? Yeah, that would. uh, Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, they're all. um, If it gets to me now, it's probably quite serious. Um, yes. So, yeah, so that's, that makes it extra more horrifying, yeah, <laughs> to think about it like that. Yeah, so you don't necessarily want 100 arrows directed at you. But that's, that, anyway, that's not a... It's, I think sometimes it's good not to dwell on <laughs> what, what it means to have, I don't know, this position of power, to have all the emails coming at you. Sometimes, I don't know, you can, it can lead to maudlin thoughts. But, yeah, so my, my week's... It hasn't been really high stress, and so the thing I wanted to talk to you about is, do you sometimes get these weeks where you feel like you only had one thing to do, or one important thing to do, and you achieve it, but then you, you still kind of look at your week and think, why did it take me a week to do that, and I don't know, I, I guess I, I feel like the, the thing I need to feel like my week has been successful is I need to have done I don't know, 20 different things, and a variety, and to have kind of had lots of highs and lows every day. And so this week, the thing I had to do was to um, do a funding application for some translations um, I've been working on to publish next year. And, and that was really important because it was the deadline and and the deadline was on Wednesday. So yeah, I just had to do it because I'd committed to it and I wanted to get these titles out early next year. But as a result, when I look, look back at this week, I just think, I was. I spent most of it in my pajamas. I didn't have a shower for four days. I was just working on <laughs> do you new. Really, do, do you really want to reveal that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. I. Um, I, know, I do know. I, I certainly when I was self-employed. Yeah, there certainly were. And not 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 for four days, but certainly there were times where <laughs> I had that. But I had two things to do this week. I had two main things to do this week, which only I could do, and I haven't done either of them yet. And it's uh, halfway through Friday now. Is so, one of them your uh, newsletter? No. And oh, that's, okay. that's another thing. That's the thing. Because <laughs> that's the other thing I was meant to do once I finished the applications. And yeah, no, it's just kind of hung over me. I'll be doing that after we have our call. But yeah, so how, I guess what I'm asking is, how do you deal with the structure of your weeks when you are your own boss? And also you have people depending on you, not only authors, but now your employees. And Well, well this is it, you see, because I set myself two, two jobs. To, none of them are that scary. It's um, typesetting one small book. And copy editing one very small pamphlet. Um, it's not doesn't yeah. So there, there are two easy jobs, which should yeah. have been like a day each. And also, I had these two new people started, so I knew that I'd have to spend lots of time with them to get them up to speed, uh, so to speak. So ordinarily, I would have quietly sat down on Monday and tried to do some of number one, and then 
and then when that was finished, quietly sit down on Tuesday and try and do some more. <laughs> and that's that's the, how it should work. Yeah. But actually, um, because of all these, because of these, with a couple of days with these like hundred emails before ten o'clock in the morning. Um, so by the time I dealt with all those things on both those days, it was like four o'clock. So I've just had time to do a little bit of picking at the um, at the the big job. And did these emails need to be answered? Did you feel that like you were being reactive instead of proactive? Probably, this is the problem see, probably 90 of them did need to be answered. Really? And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've definitely now got, I did clear my inbox recently, but now it's down to like eight, there's still like, now it's 80 again. Um, uh, but they're all the ones that aren't too crucial, which can, can wait. But, but it, a lot of them are things that I really want to do, like... Um, so you know I'm working on this particularly, uh, there's, a particular, there's a project that's close to my heart at the moment, which I'm supposed to submit a proposal to, a proposal for, to a, to a record label. Uh, and that's been lurking on my to-do list where all these are the more alarming things have been coming in, uh, which, um, which, which irks a little bit. Um, but I've forgotten the original question now. What was the original question? I guess how, do you manage, a... how do you manage your week? And yeah. um, this week, badly, I said, I'd, I would say, <laughs> I did, all the pro- productivity books would tell you to um, deal with your big work first and ignore everyone else and ignore all the other hassle. But um, I, I couldn't really because there was there were some big, big things which could have gone, um, you know, wrong. Yeah, I guess it's it's the constant prioritisation. So. I did a talk to some American students who are over in the summer, over in London, learning about publishing and having various talks with authors. And I was telling them about my journey to the Emma Press. And at the end, some of them came up and asked questions. And one of them asked, uh, what's it like? Just what's it like being a publisher, running your own publishing house? And I said, well, my son, (laughs) let me tell you. Well, grasshopper. (laughs) And I told him this kind of image I've been working on for some time to try and explain what it's like and it's like kind of 3D Tetris I don't know if that's a, an actual thing but it's like Tetris but with many different layers and they're all moving at different speeds and you have to decide which ones to deal with because you can't deal with them all so some some in the say the furthest back kind of grid of Tetris they're moving very slowly but if they hit the bottom and you haven't slotted them in, then everything's disastrous. And then you've got some kind of going nearer you and they're quicker and they're less important. But at the same time, it's quite satisfying to, to get a, a good Tetris. Is that how Tetris going. works now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't well, played it for a while. <laughs> you, you have to fit them in with each other. So the bottom row oh, yeah, um, yeah, no, is I've, completely I've, I've... full. <laughs> Yeah, I've played Tetris, but I don't remember there being some which are near it. I don't remember there being like a long distance version where it's off in the distance. You're going, what's that in the distance? Oh, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a big straight piece. I better prepare for that in about a day's time. <laughs> no, well, that's that's how I'm imagining it. So I, I feel like it's probably, it probably exists on the internet. There's 3D chess, isn't there? So maybe there's 3D Tetris as well. But with Tetris, if you don't manage to slot it in, it just kind of sits there until eventually the bottom row It makes your away. life more difficult. Yes. And I guess the reason there's kind of several grids of Tetris in, in my, my vision of what I'm doing is that the ones going very near you are the emails and you, you just want to deal with them. And it, kind of, it gives you a small sense of satisfaction. You want to fit them together perfectly and get your inbox under control. But in the meantime, kind of further away, there are these kind of less kind of shouty, sexy deadlines, which are kind of slowly moving down. And they're things like the book being on time or submitting our advanced information to impress stuff that will really help us in the long run 
but no one's really kind of nagging us and yeah like, it's like designing a book cover for june is that the kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of long-term stuff that will will really help us but you can kind of keep kicking them down the road again and again so i'm i'm constantly kind of adding to my list of things i should do so i should put more books on lightning source because then um, there'll just be sales that are happening without me having to do any work and i should do i don't know i should do another arts council application and now I should kind of check Amazon for all of the my title listings and kind of optimize it. There are lots of long-term things that I should be doing, and the mental game is kind of tending those while at the same time dealing with the kind of the more shouty, shouty problems. I mean, I, I hope I've explained that in an okay way, but if I explain, I explain it to this this young student in person just by kind of waving my arms around a lot and say, it's like Tetris, do you remember Tetris? <laughs> and I think young people don't don't know Tetris these days. I think no. it's most of university playing Tetris. So that, that was, it was hard. But if I were to, I don't know, apply for a grant to create a performative art piece, it would be, I would first of all commission someone to create this 3D Tetris. And also... I would kind of have a, I don't know, a perspex box and I would stand in the middle of it and people would have to throw kind of scrunched up bits of paper at me and I would have to catch them. Oh no, they, they'd throw kind of teacups and precious things that could break at me. Oh <laughs> and, no. <laughs> and, 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 and I thought you were going to say them. they'll throw, I thought this was going to be your Tetris, I thought they were going to throw actual Tetris shapes at you and you have to very quickly fit them. That would oh, be. Maybe I, that I would, would be too. Yeah. I would watch that. I would come to that. But the idea <laughs> is that some some of the things can break and it's okay. So sometimes I'll have lots of unread emails in my inbox. That's the general way I keep track of things. It's not. It's not very. It's not very sophisticated. And then I'll go through it. So last night I went through through my inbox because I was avoiding writing my newsletter, <laughs> and I. I just I was going going through some emails and I was really relieved to see that some deadlines had passed. So there was a, a deadline for submitting a, you know, books about strong women to a prize, and I had thought, okay, maybe I can think, look through my list and see if anything applies. And but by the time I looked at it, it was a month past the deadline. So I thought, oh well, oh, right, that, right, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> on the that turns out that's that smashed on the ground. But I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, it's okay, isn't it? I think I think yeah. the Tetris analogy works. I think you're onto something there. The Thank idea with these these things flying in. So, since last podcast, we have had a, a few comments and one question, our very first question. Uh, so if you're listening and do you have any questions and you want to be our second question asker, our second question asker, then uh, <laughs> do email us at editor at theemmapress.com or jamie at valleypressuk.com. Oh, beautifully so, read out <laughs> just from memory just it just rolls oh, off well, but even, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so we've had a few a few comments we had a really nice one from mandy barker on twitter which was really enjoyed this jamie and emma relevant to a lot of small businesses love the debate about political views i think it's important to have a voice as an opportunity to contribute to positive change even just a tiny bit so not really a question but i think it was quite thought-provoking um and I it, it was it certainly it certainly provoked my thoughts. Uh, the last <laughs> sentence. What? What? Just read out the last sentence again. I think it's really important to have a voice. It's an opportunity to contribute to positive change, even just a tiny bit. Yeah. So yeah. So then it made me think that by by getting a bit more by, by exposing more of my views, I could if I even if I just move things very 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 slightly, if it's just like zero point zero one percent towards a better world, uh, it would have been worthwhile, won't it? You could say. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because cause we, we do have a platform. So we have a platform just in being a publishing company. And that's why I think the publishing industry as a whole really needs to take responsibility for that. Because the whole point of publishing is that you're putting words out there. You're putting ideas out there. You are influencing people. The choices we make about what is published kind of does, on a really small scale, contribute to the larger conversation about what matters. So we do have power and we've created a platform and I think having come this far, there's no point in trying to be neutral and trying to be everything to everyone because kind of we, we've taken a stand already. And I think that's, that's something, something to embrace and not to shy away from, even though it can seem quite scary. And I, I think we're both still working out what we want to do with our platforms. But regardless, I, think, I don't think we should feel bad about um, trying, to, trying to bring out bring about change because we, we both think it's really important yes yeah well maybe one day we'll get into maybe when the next election comes out we'll do the big political jamie and emma's um, <laughs> world views thing um, <laughs> uh, but not, we haven't got time today sadly um, <laughs> I, i'll just read out some texts i got from my from my mum always always fun texts from my mum <laughs> right this is on the same subject this is the opposite view to um okay to mandy um she says um, ancient saying, never talk at a dinner table about politics and religion, lead to much discord. She's getting unusually, um, unusually obtuse in this particular uh, text. Um, politics have no room in a publisher's newsletter. She says it's about authors and books and news. She means like publishing news. Not about the huge boiling pot of politics, especially at the moment. Okay, so um, did, you, did, you, did you feel like she had a point? Well, I just, I just replied um, that I said I was going to read that, that comment out next time. And I said, did you like it, though? And then her next text said, you and Emma are not closed books, etc. You are both on a learning curve and open to ideas, and you're both prepared to change the rules for the better of your companies, which can only be a good thing. You don't profess to know it all. You are both still opening the parachute. So that seems quite positive so I think having I think she's had a knee-jerk reaction to the idea of talking about politics at all but the point is everything's politics that that is the thing and if you can pretend you're not but just by kind of as a working class young man starting a, a publishing business and you know, creating a, an alternative career path against the London elites you know like that's that's a political thing you've done already so oh oh yeah I wouldn't say <laughs> I think I, I there's an argument to be made for me being working class, but it's a very long, difficult argument. So I don't think we can get away with that, really. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, consider myself to have very much working class cred. Um, okay, but, well... Uh, thank you, anyway. <laughs> let's cut that out. <laughs> so I think we should go, go now to the, the very first question we've had from a listener. Um, yes, this is great the... because this is, good, this is a good practical question. I've seen this one. Uh, yes. I've seen this one in, the, um, in, a, in a closed publishing Facebook group and you forbade me to talk about it uh, at the time. If yeah, I'm, if save I'm it for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to encourage people to ask questions. Um, yeah. So this is from the Only Ways Indie Facebook group and it's from Sarah Jane Slack who runs Inspired Quill Publishing House. Um, it's, and she says, how many books are you guys working on at any given time? So, Jamie, do you want to go first? Okay. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, what I was getting at earlier was it's nice to have a nice practical question. It's been quite an emotional podcast so far, hasn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, but uh, So, of the 40 books that 
we are we have coming up or a, a recently published am i working on all of the 40 every month um no is definitely the, the, the answer <laughs> that. yeah they are, by necessity some of them get ignored um for for a month um i'd, I'd try and hope that we were at least checking in with the authors or moving it, nudging it on. Even if you, even if we only nudge it on a tiny step each month, then that would be good. But yeah, yeah is that, is that, is that a good answer? Yes. Yes, definitely. I think the reason Sarah Jane asked the question was because I said in the previous podcast that I, I always, I always want to be working on all of them simultaneously, but I just end up working on them consecutively because that is kind of how I work just because I'm a slightly smaller operation than you at the moment so I, I find myself kind of grazing across all the titles I'm working on so I'll, I'll, however many titles I've got scheduled in the next year or two years they'll all be open so I'll be working on them all a little bit to some extent but then there might be kind of months or even kind of a year where I do very little um this year in particular I think it's, it's been a bad year so I, I haven't replied to some of some emails I haven't kept some people up to date with the progress of the book but Yes, I'll be kind of mostly I'll be kind of grazing a little bit, and then but in in the run up to the publication date of each book, I'll probably spend maybe three solid weeks just working on that one book to try and get it to print on time, and then working on getting the press release out and the photographs taken for publicity. So, so how many how many books have the Emma Press done this year, or will they have done by the time we finally get to Christmas? By the time we get to Christmas. I'll have published 15 books and it was going to be 17 but I'm I ended up moving two into next year just I think last week I had this kind of sudden sudden moment of clarity where I thought even if we get these books technically done by the end of 2017 there'll be no point because I feel like everything's already winding down I'm sorry this is bad news for you Jamie but <laughs> I feel like everything's slowing down already in the run up to Christmas and no no one wants to hear about these books and lens also I think I think now that I've got Yan Yan who's doing publicity um I've got an extra person to think about and I think well it'll just be futile I'm getting her to publicize three more books by the end of this year and with kind of ever diminishing returns so I just thought <laughs> well, actually I do feel I do feel very much the same however also <laughs> all of these books all of these books have um, fairly big launch events coming up yeah I know one where at least 50 people have bought tickets to come to the mm. launch event I mean fortunately that one's already at the printers um, safely and they're all booked in um, but certainly the these books need to come out before Christmas although it does, although it does seem a silly time to um, launch yeah well if you've got the launch events book it's just that with these books I didn't have the launch events books having followed rule two of Jamie McGarry's yes. Golden Rules of Publishing well TM. Um, yeah so I really wanted to get them done because I, I think kind of reliability is a really important part of what we do and I, I generally don't like letting people down but then I thought about, I don't know, how stressed I was getting and how actually there was no reason why I shouldn't move it to next year, other than kind of slightly messing out on the backing of Impress and all the, kind of the work the reps will have done. But apart from that, there was no launch party to move. There was, I don't know, no, no print costs to pay up front with the Hansons, the printer yet. So I just thought, yeah. Yeah, but you've, you've obviously got other reasons to carry on with the books. But it's interesting what you say about having to publish a certain number of books because that does become a real consideration as, as you get bigger. And Because 
when you're just one person and just having to support one person on your your small salary, then you just need, you can publish as many there's only so many books you can publish as a single person and I think you've toyed with it quite a bit I've experimented in a slightly more kind of extravagant and foolish way but I think we probably both agree that maybe 10 books you could do 10 books a year as if a you, single yeah, person th- if you're going to do everything yeah then 10 is the limit and I think if you're going to employ freelancers to do the bulk of the the long work I think I, I've managed 20 in a year as a solo um, person before. So, yeah, uh, but was that a bad year? Was, <laughs> was it? Uh, no, it was one of the better years, I think. I just yeah. scrolled down. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was all right. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. I did 15 in 2014, and that was a, a very tough year and put a great strain on me and Rachel because we were just just reading submissions the whole time. Um, and this year would have been an even worse year of 17 books, but I'm glad of, so 15 seems like a walk in the park now. Um, but the thing is, once you once you grow the business, you have to, you kind of have to publish more books because you can't just sustain it just on the sales of yeah. ten books. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the overheads, of having an office and and the various staff, and let's not forget my enormous salary as we discussed earlier. <laughs> <laughs> then Mr. it means if, I only, if we only did twelve books a year, each book would have to make like up to like ten thousand pounds profit or something, and that's not going to be. That's not going to be achievable, really. The sort of books we, we like to work on are not going to be bringing in that yet. We definitely had conversations where you've been considering doing fewer books, stripping it right down, and kind of getting back to basics. And yeah. But there's a real temptation to do fewer books. And if, I don't know, if you're doing it just kind of just for the art, just for the craft, then I think then that's that's the most sane option, really. But I think if you if your livelihood depends on it then it's really hard to justify that because you're kind of you know, I'm trying to, I'm toying with a metaphor to do with eggs and baskets but <laughs> yeah it is don't put all your eggs in one basket and your eggs would be the various components of what you need to live on and yeah so you want the fewest <laughs> you want the most possible baskets and yes. the fewest possible eggs is the ideal so if I if ideally could have one egg in an individual basket carried by one member of staff, that it would be, <laughs> yeah, be really th- secure. That egg is so safe. And At the moment, it seems more like an egg and spoon race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and also in this scenario, some of those baskets are poorly made, or some of those baskets are just really unpopular and no one wants them. Um. <laughs> what about the eggs? I thought you'd say some of the eggs are rotten. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. What, why wouldn't you want your eggs in one basket? Is it just in case something smashes that basket? Well, if that, if you let's say you, me, you're carrying 20 eggs home and you trip yeah. over and, and you smash them or the basket breaks, then you've lost all your eggs. Whereas if you're carrying 10 in two baskets and one of the basket breaks, then you've still got 10 eggs. So you can just have a decent cake. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, get but no that. Omelet, no omelette. <laughs> that's the practical application of that in the real world. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you want to interpret it directly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I feel kind of, it feels kind of harsh, but I think it would be really hard to make a living just from doing um, very few books and, and doing a really, really good job on them. I think this is where the where Golden Rule 5 comes in, where good enough is good enough, and you need to be able to do more books and they're all good enough and maybe they're not kind of the most kind of 
cosseted eggs. I don't know. Well, I, once, you... I once heard um, Jamie Bing of Cannon Gate fame oh, yeah. and World Book Day talk about how he was encouraging Cannon Gate to do fewer and fewer books and concentrate on them more and more. Yeah. Um, uh, which was interesting. And I do, he is one of my uh, sort of people I look towards as being someone who's um, made a success. Although I don't think he started it, which is the one thing he's missing, but still a, sort of a, 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 a sort of a the closest thing to a role model someone like me could have, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think that's all very well if you have some kind of financial backing or you have a cushion or something, so you can experiment with that and... Well, his his four books or four, his four or five books is like um, it's like Matt Lucas's autobiography and yeah uh, and it was got Philip Pullman probably in there and uh, well sort of um, that 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 great York yeah writer, again I at, his name at our level we can't really afford that and that's yeah. that's the problem and just just the reason but at the same time you don't want to produce too many books so that first of all your team can't cope and also so that I don't know it's it's hard for the publicist to do much because you're just doing the same thing and I think that's definitely been something that's um that's been discussed in the small publishing industry as well about some publishers publishing too many books and kind of not being able to get enough yes. attention for them because just just publishing books obviously isn't enough you don't get a prize for publishing the most books and for filling the bookshelves because you've also got to reach audiences and I think I think what you're doing you're publishing books in different genres aren't you so you're not yeah, it's, just, it's purely about it's purely about having enough books. So if they all sell to their historical averages, we'll be all right. That's that's how I come up with the number of books. And if and if they struggle to, if the staff struggle to uh, fulfil them, I will need some more staff, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you need more books. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I think definitely one thing we can talk about in future podcasts is how big is too big um, with growing a small publisher because. Well, I, I think we have slightly different views on this about where we want our companies to go and whether we want to outgrow the small publisher label or not. But I think that's probably probably a whole a whole other episode. Thanks for listening to Friday Morning Meeting with me, Emma Wright. And me, Jamie McGarry. Please send us your questions and let us know what you think of the podcast and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Yeah, hope you enjoyed this one. Bye, everyone. Music. <laughs> <laughs>